Welcome to Liquid Church Audio. The message you're about to enjoy was originally delivered at Liquid by Pastor Tim Lucas. Liquidchurch.com, living water for a thirsty generation. Now, we're live on the web. All right, who's ready to go? The countdown begins tonight. Ron, if I could have some lights here. T-minus eight weeks actually in counting. I hope you're excited. I am totally jacked about our upcoming liquid launch on April 8th. This Easter, not only will the snow have melted and the spring winds hopefully come in and warm things up, but we'll be moving to our new digs in Morristown at the Hyatt and celebrating in grand style. Now, I'm excited on a couple of levels. On a completely superficial surface level, I am pumped about the warm and welcoming environment that our church will enjoy at the Hyatt. As you saw in the opening video, it is a, it's a four-star setting, just just classy and comfortable, you know, couches and, and artwork, places to lounge and connect with each other before and after our services. And most importantly, the espresso bar, so you can fuel up, you know, before our new AM services. Speaking of which, thank you for your feedback. Many of you responded to our online service time survey, and that was really helpful in our planning. Um, as we suspected, even those of you who will now be attending our morning service still want to sleep late. Uh, and so our new service times beginning on Easter will be 10.30 a.m., 4 p.m., and 6.30 p.m., with Liquid Kids offered at both the 10.30 in the morning and the 4 o'clock in the afternoon service. So if you like your current service, great, don't move. But if you want to join us in the morning on Sundays, as you have the rest of your day free, um, you know, we're going to wake up the neighborhood. We're really going to rock this place out. It's great. I was asking Colleen, I said, you know, when do you think you'll go? She goes, well, I usually go to the 4 Obviously, right now with our kids, she said, but maybe in the summer, maybe I'll go at 1030 because then I have the rest of the day. We can go to the pool or whatever. And that's great. You can fluctuate, go whenever you like. But we'll be hosting every service identically in the grand ballroom. And we do have the entire thing rented out on Sunday, which will increase our seating capacity between four and 500 folks at each service. Now, the nice good news is that parking will no longer be an issue. <laughs> no navigating King George Road. Um, the Hyatt is located right in the Morristown headquarters plaza. And it has over 2,500 parking spots. And we've arranged on Sunday for all parking to be completely free. (laughs) No charge, no hassle. You just pull up, grab a cup of coffee, come to church. And we are like amazed. We're amazed at the opportunity God's provided to reach those who aren't here yet. That's who Liquid exists for. So if you're a member, get ready. We're about to go on an adventure together in less than eight weeks. And that makes my heart do a little flutter like that. Are you ready? You ready? Let me hear you. Let me... Oh, that was so poor. <laughs> Are you ready? Yeah. Whoa. Are you ready? Yeah. Yeah. It's not just the environment that has me excited. It is what's happening inside our environments that we're creating here at Liquid that mean everything. God, show you what I mean. I got an email last week that kind of captures the kind of significant life change that God is bringing about in the lives of the new people who are finding a home here at Liquid Church. Um, This guy wrote and he said, Hey, Pastor Tim, just wanted to send you a note, let you know how much my family and I have enjoyed your church and the messages. We've been coming now for the past three weeks, and if I could only tell you how difficult it was for me to get my wife to go back to church after she experienced a very rough time growing up. She grew up in the Catholic Church. She became very disillusioned with the whole process, but never gave up her faith in God. She believed in a spiritual presence, but couldn't get past the whole going to church thing. And she'd often say to me, why do I need to go to some building to talk to God? I know he's there. I can talk to him anytime, anywhere. Well, needless to say, I also believe the same thing. I shuffled between churches during my early childhood for many reasons, but believed in a higher power. So we essentially were a match when it came to God and how we as adults went about our spirituality. But, and this is a big but, and you guys know at Liquid Church, we love big buts. 
We have children now. And I want some sort of formal Christian faith for them to believe and guide them. My wife didn't quite see it my way. And so for the last three years, I've been trying to get her to go to church so we could give our children just that, a belief in God. Not that she hasn't gone with me to a couple other churches, but there was really no good feeling for creating the need or the want or desire to go again. But she'd go just to keep the peace. Anyway, we stopped going to church altogether. And I just continued to believe that there had to be a church out there somewhere that would make her, myself, our children, all of us, comfortable and actually look forward to going instead of the burden of having to go to church. Like it was drilled into our heads, often driven by guilt from the church, our parents, or both. Anyway, one day I read an article in the Courier News about a church that gives away free gas. <laughs> I'd already heard it liquid on a couple occasions, didn't really know much about it, and I was quite taken by the article in the paper. And it got me to investigate liquid through your website. I got my wife to read the entire site and discuss the whole process of why we need to go to church, and maybe this would be the one. Tim, I can honestly tell you that I am so glad I found your church and got my wife to try it out. It's refreshing listening and coming, and I'm not sure why I'm exactly why I'm even writing this, but I am very moved by the things that are said and the music, which I really enjoy, as does my wife. In fact, at times, I find that I have tears in my eyes during the service, both out of joy and sadness for something deep inside me that's being touched. But it's not me that I'm here to talk about. It's my wife. I can't tell you how much it means to me to have found a church like yours to match the kind of people we are. It's done wonders for my wife. She actually looks forward to going, to coming, and is moved by the sermons and gets all emotional as well. This in itself is absolutely unbelievable, if you, especially if you knew my wife. And let alone to go like going to church again. Now check this out. Liquid Kids teachers, the investment you guys are making. Even our 12-year-old daughter loves it. And our three-year-old son loves going to the children's area. It is truly amazing. So thank you, thank you for creating a church that makes us feel at home and doesn't make us feel like we have to come, but want to come because we like it and want to share in the joy with you and other like-minded people of Christian faith. Your guys' vision for the way you practice and preach is what I believe today's world needs. I totally relate to what you guys say and talk about, sometimes so much that it almost feels as if I know you or you knew me in a past life. Thank you, Tim. All that said, sorry I wrote you a book. I spoke with you out the door about wanting to come to a small group gathering called Starting Point and want to go, go to the one that you lead at your house. And guess what? My wife wants to go too. But, okay, <laughs> folks, that is why we do what we do here at Liquid. This is what it is all about. Creating an environment where people like Todd and his wife and his kids feel comfortable taking a step back to God, that this is a place where they actually can explore their faith and they can actually experience community. And that is the whole goal of our church, and it happens for one reason. Because people like you serve. We created this church for others, but it is led and driven by you. Show of hands, how many of you were greeted on the way in tonight? You didn't actually just get to come in here without talking to anyone. Yeah, how many, keep your hands up there. How many of you got handed a bulletin with a smile? Someone smiled you, they greeted you, gave you a name tag. I see everyone name tags out there. How many of you, maybe you, maybe you didn't at this service, but how many of you dropped off your children at Liquid Kids? You've done that in the past. How many of you enjoyed the worship music? You like the staging, all the visuals. That all happens because of people at our church who are committed to a core value that we call strategic service. In other words, our church is full of people who say, you know what, count on me. Where am I needed? Where am I needed most so that I can help create the kind of experience that let new friends like the, the Tollies to feel welcomed and comfortable and able to actually experience God's love in an undistracted way? 
On a typical Sunday night, we have about 40 people on our strategic service teams. That means from the tag team members, the folks who smile and write your name and a clever little like line on it, you know, and stick it there right on your chest, to the worship band, the singers, musicians, to PowerPoint, the media team, Jackson and Nick are up there, to greeters, to ushers, staging, takedown, the people who stay late tonight and kind of pick up everything, to liquids, kids, teachers and instructors and helpers. Everyone is vital and critical in working together to create the place where folks can take a step back to God. But here's the deal. Come April 8th, in eight weeks from now, 40 people ain't nearly enough. This past Tuesday, our staff spent a whole day over at the Hyatt Morristown. And it was an awesome day. We were like so excited to go there, envisioning what is going to go on in this place. But probably midway through the day, right, Dave, there was kind of like this giant deflation. And we left that day just totally, what's the right word for it? Um, Challenged. Depressed is probably a more honest word. But let's use challenged for now. Based on what is going to happen there each and every Sunday beginning April 8th, we estimated that we are going to need no less than three times the amount of strategic service volunteers than we currently have serving. At three three times the amount. At the bare minimum, we're going to need 120 people every Sunday to step up to the plate and say, you know, you can count on me. Put me in the game because I've been sitting in the bleachers, but I am going to serve so that this launch can pull off successfully because people are going to be taking a step back to God on that Easter Sunday. So where do you need me? Where am I needed most? That's literally the essence of what strategic service says. That's how it's defined. Strategic service is applying your heart and your hands to the place of greatest demand. Isn't that nice, cute little rhyme? Let's say it together. Ready? Applying your heart and your hands to the place of greatest demand. And that's a sacrifice because it's about moving from the bleachers where maybe you've been spectating a while, maybe for a year or a couple of years, and you're like, you know, I come, I like the show, got a drink of coffee, and I go. <laughs> but actually saying, no, no I'm not going to be a bench warmer. I'm actually going to step down onto the playing field and get in the game. Because where is the critical need, Tim? I'm going to give my time and serve and lead there first. And this isn't about waiting to find just the perfect spot, you know, where my, you know, full, amazing, incredible gifts that you all do have, yes, but I'm not even going to wait for just the perfect spot. I'm going to to start serving now, but trust God to help me find the best match as I serve for my specific gift set. But if you need folks to greet at 10.30 in the morning or show up at 8.30 or start setting stuff up at 6.30, that's when I got really depressed. (laughs) I'll do it. If you need folks to get there early and set up the stage and lighting rig, count on me. So tonight, in anticipation of our Easter launch, I want to talk to you about strategic service. And here's the deal. This is not about guilt-driven volunteering. Um, The church I grew up in, I'll tell you that real quickly, um, was always strapped for volunteers. And so every fall, it went like this. The pastor got up, and he made an announcement along this line, like, um, you know, Jesus never drove the little children away, but we're going to have to. Unless some of you get your butts in the nursery. He didn't say butts, but that was the gist of it. <laughs> and he would just kind of lay on the guilt and be like, man, you got no one's helping and all, you know, and of course, you know what happens. All the people who are in the back rows who are like the, who have the gift of mercy are like, oh, I'll help, you know, and they they get burnt out. And then all the natural leaders in the church actually are like, mm, yeah, not so much. Um, this isn't a very well-organized environment. If they have to grovel and guilt people to get involved, so like, I'm out of here. We don't want to do things this way at Liquid. We want a sense of our larger mission to unchurched people in New Jersey, 
to so capture and penetrate the hearts of our people that strategic service is like part of our DNA. It's like the air we breathe. That like on a given, any given Sunday, the minority are the people who simply come to worship and then leave. Rather, the vast majority come and worship and serve because they're so captured by this larger mission that God's entrusted us with to reach unchurched people in New Jersey. I mean, that is our stated mission, right? To lead our generation into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And here's the thing. When a church is corporately gripped by a sense of this shared mission, of this bigger thing that's going on, the lives and families like Todd's hang in the balance, then people will do anything to make it successful. Because they realize there are no menial jobs in God's mission to the world. Rather, each one is crucial in creating the kind of environment where the word of God can actually take root and spread like a virus in a good way. (laughs) I got a massive head cold. I'm thinking virus. (laughs) There's a wonderful example of this. This is not new. There's a wonderful example of this in the New Testament. And uh, with the early church, as the followers of Jesus were just starting out to change the world. Let me invite you to turn with me to Acts chapter 6. We'll just look at the first seven verses. This is a little... uh, We'll get the lights yeah, friends, so we can all see here. Pass the Bibles down if you would. If you don't have your own, you can can track along with us on page 1771. There in the New Testament. And uh, we go Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Those were some of the disciples. Those were the testimonies they wrote. And then you got Acts. A-C-T-S, not A-X-E. As a boy, I was like, awesome, a book called Acts. This is going to be like the horror book, you know? No, this is Acts, as in like the actions of the early church. So the context for this thing, all right? Jesus, after this point, Jesus had died. He'd been resurrected to life. He ascended to heaven. And the 12 disciples, or his 12 followers, founded the church. Now, actually, there were 11, actually, but Judas hung himself. And then they chose Matthias to replace him. So these 12 disciples began preaching the good news. They're preaching this news. They're like, Jesus is God. They start, this is an unheard message across the world. They said, God has come in the form of Jesus Christ, and he died for the forgiveness of the sins of all men. And that anyone who wants new life simply has to repent of their sins and put their trust in the sacrifice and resurrection of Jesus, and they become his follower. They get new life. And that's what they set out. That's the acts of the apostles. This is what they did. And the most incredible thing happened. People believed it. And their lives were changing by this point. Consequently, the early church was growing by leaps and bounds. Now, earlier in Acts, we're going to pick up at Acts chapter 6 here. But if you flip a couple chapters earlier, you'll see that they actually, the early church added 3,000 new believers to their church in one day. Boom! The first megachurch in history. So this is a pivotal moment in the life of the early church, and you're going to see how crucial strategic service is right at the center of it. Let's read together Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. In those days, when the number of disciples was increasing, so the church is growing, the Grecian Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve, again, they're the disciples, gathered all the disciples, everybody together, and said... It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer in the ministry of the word. Verse 5. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Also Philip... Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenaeus, 
and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. All right, we'll stop right there. Again, this is kind of like a little obscure passage in Acts. People tend to like kind of read it over, and they're like, oh, there's some sort of like little food issue. Whatever. It's kind of the good stuff. And as I said, this is a key moment, though, in the early life of the church. The number of disciples was increasing, so it's this moment of like explosive growth. As I said, 3,000 in one day. And this is a church that's on fire. This is a church that is on message. They're like, Jesus has changed our lives. He could change your life, too. He is the only way to have a relationship with God. That was their message. That Jesus was the way to heaven to life eternal. In fact, check this out. A little fact. At this point in history, these believers were not even called Christians. Do you know that? That didn't come until decades later. At this point in history, they were known, as anyone know, as followers of the way. That's literally what they were called in the early church. Because earlier, their, their alpha leader, Jesus, had made this statement where he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And that wasn't so much a statement of like, you know, religious intolerance or like other religions. It was, it, was this, it was this promise of hope. There is eternal life at your door right now through trust in me. That's the way. And so they became followers of the way. It was literally a, mo- a movement. It was only later on when they reached critical mass and spread across the Roman Empire that that term Christians became prevalent. <laughs> so the way was a movement. It was the mission of the early church to spread it. And people were, it was spreading. People were finding new life. They're believing. They're putting their confidence in Jesus. And so the church is growing. But they had a problem. Like most organizations, you know, you got corporate types now that experience explosive growth. They have problems. And verse 1 explains theirs. It says, in those days when it was blowing up, the number of disciples was increasing. The Grecian Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. In other words, they got a hospitality problem. <laughs> See, it's kind of weird because the first Christian church was actually comprised of Jewish people. Two kinds of Jews in the early church. Hebraic Jews, which meant native Jewish Christians who grew up in Israel. They spoke Aramaic, like Jesus, a Semitic language. And then there were Grecian Jews, which simply is a fancy way of saying Greek-speaking Christians. They were probably Jews from like other places like um, North Africa, Egypt, Asia Minor, converted at Pentecost. And so the Greek-speaking Christians complained that their widows were being treated unfairly. See, the early church went to great lengths to serve the poor in Jesus' name. It was like, we're putting our message, actually, not just preaching it, we're putting it into action. And so they often fed the widows and the orphans. They actually offered food, clothing, relief on a weekly basis, which is a beautiful thing. But as their ranks grew and more people came to this church for help, a problem arose. The insiders were getting preferential treatment. And the Greek widows are getting cut short in the food line. And this happens in churches all the time, right? I mean, maybe not in this way, but it's like, hey, I don't care. It'd be great if new people came to our church as long as they don't take my parking spot. Because I sit in the fourth pew on the left, third from the right, you know, and we got our, we got our thing. And that, that insider mentality can create division and threaten the overall mission of the church. Well, sure enough, a simple hospitality problem Results in a spiritual crisis and one of unity, right? Remember, this is the church of Jesus Christ, 
the followers of the way, who were known and celebrated a few chapters earlier because they had everything in common. They gave to anyone who has need. They're known by their unity and sharing and extending hospitality to complete strangers and newcomers. And all of a sudden, it says they were marked by, what's the word? Grumbling and dissension. So what happens? Church leadership moves into action in verses 2 and 4. So the 12 disciples gathered all of the followers together and said, hey, Okay, here's the deal. It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. In other words, they're like, our job is preaching. We are the 12 guys that that Jesus, we actually spent our lives with Jesus. We testified to everything that he taught, and we're here to communicate to you. So that's our primary calling. We got to do that. It wouldn't be right if if we started waiting on tables. But brothers, check this out. Choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of God's spirit and wisdom, and we'll turn this responsibility over to them and give our attention to prayer in the ministry of the word or teaching. And this is fascinating because check this out. The 12 apostles, the leaders of the early church, they had this like enormous workload in the early days of the church. Thousands of people. They were the 11 guys who had spent time with Jesus. Again, I mentioned Matthias was kind of brought in at the, at the end there after Judas hung himself. That didn't go so well. And they realized that's their responsibility. We spent time with Jesus. I'm gonna, we're going to faithfully communicate his message to you guys. But they said, there's a problem. We might need to focus on the preaching, but we need other leaders to step up to the plate here to solve the hospitality issue that is actually threatening this entire mission. I want you to notice what they didn't say. This would be, you know, our translation. Here we go with the food again. Can you people get along? Can we please find some people who do dishes here? Uh, do we have anyone with the gift of slopping the sink? Because uh, we got more important things to do. Just find someone, anyone who can take care of hospitality. Uh-uh. They say, brothers, you read this together. Choose seven men from among you who are known to be, let's read it, full of the spirit and wisdom. And we'll turn that responsibility over them. In other words, in the sight of the men who had spent their lives with Jesus, they said, this is a key leadership position in the overall movement of the way. In the growth and the health and the expansion of Jesus' church, I want you to find, we got to find seven A-list leaders. Men who spend time with God. Men who are full of the Holy Spirit and have razor-sharp smarts. And we need them to lead and to serve and take care of the hospitality experience in this church. So our preaching actually has context and power because it actually matches the environment that we're trying to talk about and create here. In other words, a seemingly insignificant task was seen as worthy of the highest caliber leadership by the 12 apostles. Why? Because in an enterprise, like spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ to lost people, There are no insignificant tasks. Every piece is part of the whole and crucial to the success of the larger mission. That is why we tell our volunteers here on Sunday, actually at Liquid, we say, the sermon begins in the parking lot. Doesn't that sound kind of weird? You're like, no, I didn't see you preaching out there. Uh -uh. (laughs) Uh-uh. Check this out. Barna Research, great pollster. He actually says more than 70% of all people who visit a church make up their minds about coming back within the first 10 minutes, i.e. before the pastor even gets up to speak. You know what that means? They don't give a rip of what I say. That's humbling. 
When people take the chance to say, I'm going to take a step back to God. I'm going to go on this weird thing called liquid for the first time. They are already making the decision of whether or not the message, the way, is true long before I ever get up here to start talking. From the moment they arrive in the parking lot to stepping in the foyer and being greeted to shaking hands with you in the pew. And if you're a first-time person, you know tonight and you're like, oh, you got that right, man. (laughs) Or imagine dropping your children off with someone you've never met before at Liquid Kids. They're deciding whether or not our environment here matches our message here. So everything we do in the the worship environment is, is meant to send one message to people. You are important to God. You matter to us because you matter to God, and we are here to serve you in his name. This isn't about simply joining a hospitality team, folks. This is about sharing the mission and serving together in a one-of-a-kind way that makes the presence of Jesus visible to people when they step into the realm of the way. Look what happens in the case of the early church. In order to maintain their growth, reach more people, they need more people to step up and serve strategically, to put their hearts and their hands in the place of greatest demand. So what do they do? They find a strategic seven leaders and say, can you guys step up to the plate? Verse 5 says, uh, this proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen. You'll later hear about Stephen, who was martyred for his faith. Actually, not gave just his time, hospitality, but his life testifying to Jesus' centrality in his life. And they presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. And what's recorded next is surprising. Don't look down at verse 7 just yet. It's the last verse. It begins with a little word, S-O. So, what does so mean? As a result, consequently, because these guys stepped up and waited on tables, so-and-so happened. We would expect it to say, and so the widows were fed properly. Or so, the crisis was quelled, and everyone went to bed with a full stomach. That's not what Scripture says. After having seven individuals step up to the plate and say, hey, count count on me. I'll roll up my sleeves. I will serve. I'll make sure the hospitality experience actually matches the message of God's love that you're talking about. What were the results? Verse 7, let's read it together. So... The word of God spread. And the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly. And a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Catch that. The word of God spread. It blew up more. The number of disciples started. Key leaders in the city were converted because that church stayed on mission, and the gospel grew in influence and effectiveness. In other words, folks, this is not a passage. They didn't include it in here to tell you about a little minor hospitality flap they had. But said everything in the church is essential to the spread of this gospel. And because seven people said, hey, count on me. You know, I, I've been on the sidelines long enough. I, I see a need, and I am prepared to get in the game the early church became more effective evangelistically because people said, involve me in the minor details. The larger mission was fulfilled. Mike Leahy, who oversees our volunteer teams, you serve on Sunday nights, 
recently got an email from a first-time guest to Liquid who said, hey, Mike, I totally enjoyed my visit to Liquid. I especially enjoyed seeing the high-energy people in action in the foyer with their commitment to Liquid. The people sitting around were all excited and charged during the service. I felt the same. It's, catch this word, (laughs) contagious, like a virus. This is their first time, hasn't been church in like 15 years. Now check this out. I will definitely be back. I've already shared my experience with my sister and her fiancé, several friends, and my mom too. I'll be coming back on Sunday with them. I hope that's okay. (laughs) That's how the way spreads. Because in this place, there's a consistency of mission, and people like you serve strategically, putting your heart and your hands in the place of greatest demand. And folks, if there's one thing you need to take away tonight, it's this. When it comes to the mission of spreading the way, spreading the gospel to unchurched people in New Jersey, there are no minor roles. Every part is essential on Sunday. And we need you to serve strategically if we're going to accomplish all that God has given us as a church planting in Morristown. Notice something here, by the way. I just kind of love this. This is just in closing. Would you just look at this? Just just look at the heading of this section, this obscure little passage here in Acts 6. You know, we make a big deal about the disciples, you know, the dirty dozen. Luke calls them, you know, the 12, capital T. They they don't, like, even need names. They're like rock stars of the early church, you know. Look, it's the 12, you know. Here they come. Everyone knew them. They were the guys up front. They're, like, leading worship. They're, like, we hung out with Jesus. They're preaching. They're teaching every week. And that's fine. That's like great. That was their calling by God. But look how this section is titled. It says, the choosing of what? The seven. The strategic seven. In other words, the seven people who said, count on me. You got a need. I am there. In other words, Luke, the writer of Acts, is saying, if it wasn't for these people stepping up to the plate, there wouldn't be any more chapters. Seven strategic servants, just as important as the original dirty dozen. I love that. Because it highlights a critical truth. I may be the upfront guy each week, you know, here in church, the most recognizable face, but, but our church is about more than a person. It's about more than just a one personality. It's more than a place. It is about people of every background, every talent, every gift and ability set coming together on a weekly basis to serve and make the presence of Jesus visible in a lost and dying world. And that happens in a hundred different ways on a Sunday here at Liquid. Uh, For instance, people on our uh, strategic service teams in the foyer, they understand their mission, and it's not about handing out bulletins or name tags. It's not like, you know, you like join the, you know, the greeting team, and it's like your mission, if you choose to, you know, accept it, is to successfully transfer this collection of four by six papers to every individual who walk in. That's not their mission. Their mission is the same one that I'm praying about on Sunday as mine, to lead this generation into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ and welcoming people in his name, smiling at them, leading them down the stairs to liquid kids, helping them find the bathroom. All of that serves the central purpose of creating a place that is relevant, welcoming, meets people's needs, and a safe place to take a step back to God. First time for many, many people. They set the context They do the intro to my sermon every week. (laughs) Basically, I'm doing kind of the mop-up. It's kind of like, well, we'll see if what's happening here is really true by what he says. The environment that, just like they had in the early church, the word of God can be experienced, and then the faith actually spreads. When I think of liquid kids, 
give you an example. At Liquid Kids, we don't use the BS word. We do not babysit. That's not what people at Liquid Kids do. Our teachers and leaders lodge an anchor in the hearts of boys and girls from which they will never recover and allow their parents to sit undistracted in a worship service where they can be fully open to God's word on a heart level. Why? Because you know. You know a parent's heart is never more open to our message than when they know beyond a shadow of a doubt that their kids are being loved on and cared for and engaged, not babysat, but engaged in a safe and dynamic environment. And that's why our church environment at Liquid is effective for the spread of the gospel. It's one of the reasons we're making the move to Morristown right now and opening up morning services. Because God is blessing the efforts of strategic servants like you. This past January, we experienced what I like to call the big mo. Momentum. It's a leader's best friend and valuable tool as we kind of reach out here. But in the last three weeks, we've seen these like God sightings, these like momentum markers all over the place at Liquid. In mid-January, we had about 600 and plus people. We kind of peaked at that in our attendance. About half of them, more than that, actually signed up to learn or to lead in a small group that semester, which means one thing. Yeah, about 75 people said, I'll step up, I'll lead a group, I'll open my home, I'll do church twice a week, I'll clean, I'll hide all the stuff in the closet when they come, I'll put out soda, I did it last week, you know it. We added 53 new members at our January membership class. Not because we've lowered the bar in membership like, hey, anybody can be a member. Do you like to sing? No. We said it's going to cost you a lot of time if you become a member. Because we don't want people who are punching the clock. We want missionaries. We want missionaries who are captured by Jesus' vision for evangelizing New Jersey. Last week, how many of you were at the baptism service? 14 people last week baptized. Again, you saw it last week. That's the testimony that the way is still moving. It has the power of Jesus Christ to give new life. And, and we look at that, and we look at that stuff, and we're like, go God. We give Jesus full credit for all that he is doing. But as a leadership team, we recognize that we are where we are today, not because we have a bunch of volunteers, but because we have strategic servants of Jesus Christ who are on a shared mission with him to change the world. And when you understand the value of strategic service, of parking cards, of setting up sound equipment, of leading a small group, working in the nursery, investing your heart as well as your hands in the place of greatest demand. I saw a perfect example of this actually last week at our baptism service, kind of funny. Um, you know, you don't see anything, again, sitting here up front, and you're like, oh, just, you know, everything looks like it's going along well. At about 4.05 um, last week, I went downstairs to Liquid Kids, probably remember this, and heard the sound of running water, only there was no faucet around. Oh, what do you know? How come there is a, a you know, a waterfall coming out of the ceiling in the basement? Oh, it's because we forgot to turn off the tub backstage. And so it came pouring through the ceiling. So I looked over here at a couple of liquid people. They looked at me like, hey, what's going on? I was like, is this part of the lesson? Is that like, what are you guys? I don't know. They're like, yeah, oh, no, that's not supposed to be there. And it was like, bam. It, like everyone disappeared. I was like, oh, you leave me with the bucket, you know. But they went running. They grabbed all the buckets. They, you know, they brought buckets in and everything. And it was amazing because Francisco came running, man. Francisco is like the fastest kid you'd ever see. He comes booking down there, man, with this mop and everything. Mike and his members like, like threw all the bolts in the air, came ripping down there, you know, the bucket. Here's what didn't happen. I didn't stand there and say, well, I would love to help, but my primary gift is communication. <laughs> so I'm going to go tell Glenn about it. And, uh, you know, I... why? 
Why? <laughs> because you jump in when you see a strategic need. You roll up your sleeves, you get dirty, or in this case, wet, and you do whatever it takes to accomplish the larger mission. That's the spirit of the way and of strategic service. It's saying, this church is God's church, and it's my home, and I am a servant in the house of God. And what I do tonight will be as instrumental to his spirit in transforming lives. So where do you need me? Where's the area of greatest need? And you put your trust in the church leadership as the seven trusted the twelve to identify the priority concern, and we serve together. And it's a, and it's a risk because you're saying, I'm going to get out of the bleachers and enter the game. And this may not be like the perfect match. Like, I, I, like actually writing name tags was not what I had aspired to in high school. <laughs> and I actually, you know... <laughs> I'm a computer systems analyst, you know, at my work by day. But in the meantime, I'm not going to sit on the sidelines watching, waiting for my talents to be perfectly placed. I'm getting in the game because in a very real way, I realized I was saved to serve. You were saved to serve. That's what our senior pastor, Jesus, set as the precedent. In Mark 10.45, he actually said this of himself. He said, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. He said, that's my identity, a servant. And then he said to his father, he said, and as the Father has sent me into this world, so I send you. In other words, I came as a servant to this world to do whatever it takes to actually spend my life demonstrating the Father's love to lost people. And guess what? I'm sending you in the exact same role. And on Easter Sunday, on April 8th, when we launch in Morristown, we need people to step up to the plate and take Jesus' invitation and our challenge as a church and serve. I said to you, we got a little bit depressed on Tuesday because, and we realized, we were like, holy smokes, holy smokes, what did we get ourselves into? This is going to be an all-hands-on-deck kind of challenge in front of us, folks. I mean, God provides a momentum, and it's our job to get on board and not slow down what he's doing. But here's the deal. We need triple the amount of volunteers if we're going to pull this off successfully. The days of plug-and-play church are about to end. This is sobering. <laughs> Let me tell you what I mean. We walked all around the Hyatt again, hundreds of thousands of square feet, and realized we're probably going to spend about seven, ten thousand dollars $10,000 on signage alone which means how many people do you think will need to set that up? At what time would that be? 10.30, sir, wait a minute. A.M., I'm going to have to get up in the morning. We're going to need greeters on four different levels in a parking garage to tell new visitors where to go. People are going to come to Easter for the first time and be like, oh, I heard about this weird thing, liquid Easter. I might as well go. Maybe give me a free egg. <clears throat> first time they come back, and they park on the second floor, and it's like they come up and they're in a the movie theater. Where am I going here? Who's going to be standing down by the movie theater saying, hey, awesome that you came. What's going on? My name's Joan. You can tell by my cool T-shirt. Yes, we're having T-shirts made up. And be able to walk, actually, people down, not just go, oh, it's down there somewhere, whatever. <laughs> but I say, I am here. I came early to help you find your way, and I'm going to walk with you because I'm part of a larger mission. We're going to need people to check people into the new liquid kids zone. As Mike said, we're going to have beefed up security. We're actually going to start a security team. So if you are over 250 pounds, tonight is your night. <laughs> You're like, I don't know what I've been carrying this dead weight around for. We got it. We know. We're going to need literal muscle. Here's the trick. 
You've enjoyed. How many of you enjoy the worship here? We hand it for the worship. Awesome music. How would you like music that is three times as large and as loud as what we have here? <laughs> um, how would you like um, uh, LED lighting like, it's at, like at a concert where the lighting washes over the crowd and everything? Wouldn't that be amazing? Oh, that was the coolest thing last week when we, it wasn't the coolest for Dave, who runs the money. But when we signed that contract and spent $156,000 on the sound and lighting and video staging, which will need to be brought in by truck every Sunday and set up and used and operated and taken down and stored, and trucked in, and set up, and used, and taken down, and stored. Let's do it together. And set up, and used, and you get the idea. Plug and play church is over. And we're, it's going to hurt. We're going to need people who are going to sacrifice a lot more than money, but sacrifice their time. That's the good news. That we're going to reach people. And there are going to be lives that are going to be changed there. But the bad news or the challenging news is that we are going to be building that environment from scratch every Sunday. And that's going to take manpower and woman power. Let's get the girl power. Keep the ladies in here. It's going to take sacrifice. It's going to take people getting up early and actually, yeah, drinking Red Bull to get this ship moving every weekend, you know? We're, going to need a, we're not going to need a strategic seven. We're going to need a strategic 70 every morning to make Jesus famous in Morristown. I'm just telling you what it's going to take. And everyone's going to have to sacrifice, me, me included. Can I just be totally personal with you? I, won't conf- I, won't, I will never say this again once we move to Morristown, but just kind of, I know you guys, I'll just tell you, and it's late, why not? Um, <clears throat> I am not crazy about the idea of adding a morning service. I have zero interest in getting up at 6 a.m. on Sunday. <laughs> zero. I don't get paid anymore. This is not like, oh, more service. No. I like, thought I am forever a night church kind of pastor. <laughs> yeah, I know. You're, right. You're like, night church, night church, night church, night church. So why are we doing it? Because Mike made me. No. <laughs> because I realized the strategic importance of this expansion. That most actually unchurched people are more traditional than even church people. They watch in the movies, and they're like, people go, I don't go to church, but if I did, they clearly go in the morning. That's where church happens, I think. And there are going to be people and families who come to the Hyatt Morristown on Sunday morning and experience an environment for the first time, like Todd and his wife did, and were like, I didn't think church could be like this. I didn't think God was relevant. I didn't know there were authentic people, not just hypocrites or judgmental. And it engages them. And you know what's going to happen? The Holy Spirit is going to change their lives. As, as we walk through that building on Tuesday... Again, it was mixed. We were just like, holy smokes. What did we get ourselves into? But then we were like, you know what? Marriages are going to be saved in that room. And lives are going to be changed over here. And over here, children are going to come to know Jesus for the first time. Because of what happens here. And so the question is, can we count on you? Will you serve strategically for our launch this Easter? Will you actually say, you know, here, here I am, man. I know, morning, what? Here's my heart. Here's my alarm clock. Here's my hands. Place me at the point of greatest demand. 
In your seats at the end of your rows are little bulletins like this. Would you pass them out? Little forms like this. And um, this is kind of makes a list of some of the things that we're going to be needing. And um, it's totally okay if you're not ready to sign up for something tonight to say, count on me. But I want to pass this out so that everyone has it. And I actually, would you take a pen or a pencil? And even if you're not going to serve, we still want you to fill this out and put it in the offering. Okay? We're going to crank call you and bother you. No. Just, would you just, honestly, what it does say here, if you open it up, you'll see it says Easter launch team signups. But check this out. Would you fill in your name, put your email, your phone number, and then would you first tell us what service you think you're most likely to attend? If you're like, actually, I'm, I'm going to be a morning person, 10.30 a.m., 4 o'clock or 6.30, whatever. Tell us that. Just first kind of where, where you think you're going to go. But then we would like to tell you to tell us, what, what are you currently doing or not doing? And that's totally okay. Again, this is not guilt. This is not like, oh, we're trying to ID the, you know, the loafers. No. M- many of you have gifts that we believe God has brought you at this moment to our church's life to lead us. So maybe you're going to say, nope, I've actually never served that liquid before. Awesome. That's totally great. Or you're like, not right now, but in the past, I served with, uh, you know, liquid kids. I'm just taking a break. That's great. Or yes, I'm currently serving, actually, on the hospitality team. Did you like your name tag, you know? Cool. And if you are currently serving, would you like to continue serving in that role? And maybe you say, yeah, absolutely. I love what I do now. Count on me, Tim. I'm not bailing at this moment. I'm stepping up to the plate. Or you're saying, I'm ready for a change. I actually love the kids, but I don't want to murder them on Easter. So put me on the parking team. That's okay. Or you want to say, no, thanks. I am not interested right now. I didn't hear a word that God said. No, just kidding. <laughs> Again, no guilt. Don't hand this in if, you, if, if it's not in your heart. It's totally great. But if you do want in, here's what we did. We listed the jobs based on the kind of personalities that we have and the needs as well. So take a look at this. It says, count me in. I want a job that makes people feel welcome. So maybe you're the kind who like has, has good teeth and a smile. You can do that. Awesome. Um, greeters, bulletins, name tags, ushers, the, the, all the people you see out in t-shirts even who greeted you on the way in tonight. Or maybe you're like, I want a job that makes the Sunday experience easy and stress-free for guests. You know, I can like hang out in the parking garage and drive around in a Vespa scooter and tell people where things are. Um, Vespa. <laughs> uh, directions. I can, I can punch people's validating, you know, their, their free parking. That's cool. No problem. Or maybe, look at the third one down. Maybe this is you. Maybe you're totally antisocial. Um, I want a job that doesn't require me to interact with people. They annoy me. <laughs> yes, it actually says that. We, we have no judgment for you. Um, and so you're like, you know what? I can set up signs as long as no one tells me it's crooked. Um, I can do that. Or maybe you're like, I, I, I'll set things up or take them down, whatever. Or maybe you're like, dude, go back to that like 156 grand lighting rig that you guys got. I want to play with the gadgets. Um, you're going to have an experience on our tech teams to do something you probably would never get to do at any of the major networks or studios or concerts. And that's play with a very high-tech, very expensive equipment. We're going to need people to operate it, to understand things. And here's the deal. You don't have to know anything. We will train you. We are going to train you. So you don't even have to have a background in it. Maybe you're like, you know what? I'm going to cancel my membership to the gym and do my heavy lifting at church. Uh, I want to roll up my sleeves and break a sweat. You want to be in staging or, or chat with people, connect them with resources, staff the info table, the media table, or let you work with kids. You love the little munchkins. Ready for the math on the munchkins. 
We have now approximately, Erica, how many people would you say currently working at Liquid Kids? Ballpark. 20. We have one Liquid Kids program right now. We're adding one more. At a bare minimum, how many total do you think we'll need? 40. Good job. Along with the security and the check-in and 50, probably closer to 55, 60 is what we realize. And maybe this is a time where you say, I am a teacher five days a week. Six. Oh, Jesus, give me strength. He will. <laughs> and you step up and say, I'll do it. I'll do it for the launch. I'll serve in the morning. I'll come at night. That'll be my time, but I'll serve in the morning. How can we count on you? Take a look. What are the gifts you have? There's another one. You can, you can describe it there. And you're going to put this in the, uh, in the offering in just a few minutes as we end. But here's the deal. If you sign up to serve, I can promise you three things. One, we will train you. You will not be in over your head. We will give you adequate training, and you will, you will enjoy yourself. Two, you will serve with some of the finest people in the world. People who give up half of their weekend because they know it makes an eternal difference in the lives of people. And three, we will not burn you out. Some churches burn you out and then just kind of use you up, throw you out. On Easter Sunday, though, we want over 120 people probably in T-shirts at the launch. They're being designed right now, and it's going to be great. And saying to all their first-time guests, we are here to serve you. How can we help you in Jesus' name? That's why I got here early, to serve you. We're expecting hundreds of first-time guests on Easter. From a strategic perspective, that is the holiday, not Christmas. That is most likely for unchurched or irreligious people to return to church after being away. Can you think of friends or family members who would be like, oh, I would go on Easter. I mean, we're all going out to Arby's afterwards anyway. Why not? What kind of environment do you want them to experience? Strategic service is about hundreds of people coming together to create an environment that not one of us can create on our own. So that the Holy Spirit has room to operate and touch and change lives and melt hardens hearts because that's the point and that's the whole goal of what we're doing here in Jesus' church. A couple weeks ago, we saw dramatic evidence of this in the lives of one of the families who call Liquid Church home. Young guy came in to see Glenn. He's a husband, he's a father, has a little girl. And... Um, <clears throat> Met with Glenn, and it was amazing because he kind of left. We knew him. And, but when Glenn emerged from that meeting, he said to our staff, he goes, oh, you guys got to hear this. You guys, guys come, come here a minute. And we're like, wait, dude, isn't like counseling private? Isn't, isn't it like confidential? He's like, of course, obviously. He said, but he told me he wanted me to pass this along to all of you to know what's happening. See, he and his wife and his little girl, you guys know them all, they've been coming to Liquid for the last year. And you probably noticed they've been close to dropping out at times. Like we, we, we didn't see him for a while. And we're like, yeah, that's true. But he makes his way back because of the people. And what he wanted to tell me and openly share with all of you is that the most amazing thing has happened. He has been clean and sober for two weeks. And we all kind of looked puzzled. Because we we didn't realize he was a user. But but he went on to tell Glenn how he'd been using drugs, marijuana, mushrooms, for the past 10 to 15 years. And had spent the better part of two decades in a total fog, total haze, total stupor. Needless to say, he hasn't made a ton of progress in his faith. He's kind of been a little checked out as a parent. But this, because he's found people he can trust here, because his little girl loves liquid kids, and because he and his wife can connect in our worship environment on Sundays, for the first time in life, he's actually taking a step. And with the strength of the Holy Spirit, he's getting clean and sober and asking the question, does God want more for me than this? Where else does God want to work in my life? Here's an excerpt from an email he sent us this week. 
Um, Glenn, so what should I be doing now? I know what I shouldn't be doing, and I know I should be praying, etc. But what else should I be doing to stay in the right direction? I'd like to start to read the Bible again. I got kind of inspired by Rocco's girlfriend last Sunday at the baptism when she said she was studying the Bible. I guess I was a little surprised to hear someone excited about studying the Bible. Any particular version of the Bible that you would recommend, message version, like at Liquid Seems Kind of Real Life, I think I'll pick up that Velvet Elvis book too. I read an excerpt and I think I could get something out of that. I'd like to do something to kind of dig my heels in and get more involved in positive stuff. I'm sorry to throw so much at you asking so many questions. I should probably know the answers to a lot of this stuff by now, but I've been checked out for a long time. Thanks again for all you all are doing. He's thanking us on behalf of you because of what everyone here is doing because together we make visible the presence of God and he's just getting back, just stepping. First, wet cement, stepping into new life by God's power. And catch this. He didn't say anything about some life-changing message that Tim preached. We're like, it all clicked. (laughs) Nor was it because he signed up for a 12-step program, although we are encouraging him to join our Celebrate Recovery small group. Awesome. You will never break an addiction alone. That's why we have the church community. Rather, it's because he and his family came to this church, and they were welcomed, and even when they weren't here all the time and they came back. People like you served his children, you took care of his kids, and you welcomed them when they came here. And he's not changing because of a charismatic leader, but because of the total environment that gave the Holy Spirit the room to change his life. And the way is spreading. Because of what you do and what happens in this place, that young man is getting his life back. A wife is getting her husband back. And that little girl is getting her daddy back. Folks, the stakes are that big. It is about the life of Jesus being made present in our midst so that other people's lives can change both now and for eternity. So here's a challenge as well as an invitation. I honestly don't care if you've been coming for two years or two weeks. We need you. You are critical to this mission. And I believe God has sent you along to this church family at just this moment in time to serve and to lead us into this next stage of growth and impact. And it's going to mean sacrifice, but it will be worth it. Every minute of blood, sweat, and tears, and it is how that larger mission of the kingdom of God advances in the early church and the church of the future. When God's people see a need and stand up and leave the bleachers and get in the game and say, oh, count on me. How how can I help? Where's the most critical need? In fact, let's do that right now. Let's stand together. Stand everyone together. And I want to lead us in closing prayer in one voice. Put your hands up with me. Let's do this. Put our hands up. And repeat with me if you agree. Ready? God, I am yours. I give you my heart. I give you my hands. I am here to serve in the place of greatest demand. Jesus, look at your people right now. Look down on us. Their hands are being held up to you, Father. They're yours to use, and we're here to serve you alone and make your name alone famous. Because we believe that you are still changing lives, you are transforming families, and you're still resurrecting dead people today. We know there are lost people we have never even met that you're going to reach as we launch out in Morristown this Easter. Lord, look over your people right now. They're yours. I want to thank you for every one of them who's already serving. Lord, there's so many selfless people who've invested their time and talents 
to advance your church this far, but we need more. He says that the fields are, are white for harvest and we need workers, Lord, to make this happen. So please, Lord, charge us all with a renewed sense of mission and a renewed commitment to do whatever it takes to lead our generation back to you. Lord, in the weeks to come, I want to ask for wisdom as we lead and humility as we serve. We share your heart for the lost and we give our lives for theirs just as you gave your life for ours. In Jesus' name, all God's people said together,